and underway here on ESPN Plus and ESPN Caribbean, episode 318. Not coming to you live. What are you doing? Not coming to you live from D.C. or Bristol or Los Angeles. Coming to you live from South Beach, baby, Miami, Florida. We're alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian. Are you okay? Episode 318. People didn't just see what happened while that video was running, but I was making a quick wardrobe change because the weather here in Miami has not exactly been what at least I expected. Well, no. Okay, back up, back up. It's raining. Mm -hmm. Expected Miami this time of year. It's a little bit humid. Expected. Mm -hmm. It's this place. It's this room. It's freezing. Yep. You know how it is in the south and the southeast. They crank up that AC because it's hot all year. Uh, It's freezing here in Miami, but we're not going to complain about the weather in Miami. A uh, great time of the year to be here, and we got lots to get to, because what did we do? Just about 20, 30 interviews in the last, I don't know, six, eight hours, something mm. like that? Subtractive three. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Carry the one. Uh, we did a lot of them. You're not going to get them all today, right? We're going to kind of spread them out over the next okay. couple of weeks. But we got a lot of good ones today, including a chat with uh, John Herdman, now with Toronto FC. Uh, but, of course, before that, coach of the Canadian national team. Correct. Good, good insights there on both. We're going to hear from Andre Blake. Uh, start with that the Philadelphia Union, but also going to talk about the Jamaican national team. That was a very real one. That was a very real one. I love Andre Blake. He always yeah. you know, keeps it real. You get a, a very good perspective there. Uh, but let's start. Not with the team that won MLS Cup. No, no, no. Because we love the U.S. Open Cup here. So let's start with the Houston Dynamo, right? The team that won the U.S. Open Cup in 2023. And also, to be fair, had a pretty good season in Major League Soccer. They made it to the uh, Western Conference Final where they took on uh, LAFC. And Hector Herrera was a huge part of that. Five goals and 13 assists in the regular season. You add his postseason totals, he got all the way up there to 17 assists as the Houston Dynamo returned to the postseason and came to within just 90 minutes of reaching MLS Cup. Hector Herrera, midfielder of the Houston Dynamo, with us here on Football Americas. Hector, how's your English going so far? No, nada. Nada, nada. No, 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 no. You can speak English. No. You said next time when you're going to speak English with us, ¿sí o no? No. You didn't say? No, entiendo mucho, pero no, no sé hablar todavía. Tengo okay. que meterme en unas clases para poder. So he says going to be taking some classes sí. to kind of get his English up for the next interview. We'll do it in English. But he understands but everything. Yes, yeah, yeah, here we'll do kind of what we usually do. Uh, I think you'll maybe fire the questions in Spanish. I'll do a little quick translation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just last year, the resurgence, not just for Houston Dynamo, but for him. On like a personal level, I feel like what has he felt led to that? Hay que hablar un poco de, del Dinamo eh, el año pasado y cómo ha regresado a ser este equipo grande el Dinamo como de una vez fue y, y de tu parte también ha regresado el primer torneo tal vez te costó un poco el siguiente torneo para mi gusto uno de los mejores de Major League Soccer eh, ¿qué has visto? Sí, la verdad que el primer torneo que, que yo llegué eh, me costó bastante. A veces tienes un pensamiento de la liga diferente al, a cuando ya estás aquí, ¿no? Eh, me, me costó un poco adaptarme al ritmo, a, a los viajes, a todo, ¿no? Y el año pasado creo que primero me preparé muy bien desde la pretemporada, todo, conocí a todos mis compañeros bien ya. Y, y creo que en lo personal y en lo colectivo nos ha ido nos ha ido muy bien, ¿no? Y yo en lo personal muy contento, estaba disfrutando mucho de jugar, de del equipo que teníamos y creo que eso es era muy importante o es muy importante para mí. ¿no? So he said uh, his first season was was tough. You know, you might come in with kind of an idea of the league, but it's very different from what you find. Uh, he struggled with the rhythm, the trips, etc. And then 
you know, last year you got the full preseason, which I think you probably, for a professional, is a, is a really big deal. And on a personal, very happy and happy to be playing with this, uh, with this Houston team. Um, I wonder what he thinks then the expectations are for this year. Like, how do you follow up on bringing home that Open Cup title and, and doing even more? Bueno, este año, ¿qué son las expectativas? Obviamente, eh, ganaron la Copa Abierta, eh, llegaron a la Liguilla, estaban a un partido de jugar eh, la Copa. Eh, ¿Qué son las expectativas este año para el Houston Dynamo? A ver, creo que después del buen año que hemos tenido, eh, tenemos el listón un poco alto, ¿no? De, después de haber llegado a la final de conferencia, pero creo que las expectativas o el... El objetivo principal es siempre la Copa, ¿no? Nosotros nos quedamos a, a un partido de poder jugar esa gran final y creo que ese sigue siendo la, la gran motivación, ¿no? Poder llegar a la final y poder conseguir esa, esa Copa tan deseada por todos los equipos, ¿no? Entonces creo que esa es la gran motivación y la, la gran expectativa, ¿no? Creo yo que tenemos que ir paso a paso, ¿no? Como lo, lo hicimos el año pasado, los partidos, después el playoff y después ver qué es lo que va pasando en el playoff, que al final siempre es otro torneo y hay grandes sorpresas, ¿no? Como la hubo el año pasado. Uh, Hector acknowledges that after um, a good year, the expectations are definitely going to go up. They got to the Western Conference Final, uh, but the goal now is to get to MLS Cup and win it. That's the first objective for everybody in the league. They were one game away last year and felt like uh, they were very, very close, um, but going to go step by step. Of course, part of last year's success is the Open Cup, winning the Open Cup final. Obviously, I'm sure that was like a thrill. I wonder what he felt like when Messi doesn't show up, right? Because that, that whole game was Messi versus the Houston Dynamo. Is Messi going to get his Open Cup title? Te está quitando mérito, eh? No, no, no. Pero, pero me estoy imaginando que como profesional, si quieres ganar un trofeo, lo quieres right, ganar well, contra Messi, no? Yeah. You want, if you're going to win a title, you want to win it against Messi. <laughs> no translation there. Yeah. Yes, eyes. A ver, yo creo que... Nosotros... Eh, o yo en lo, personal, en lo personal transmitía mucho eso, ¿no? De, teníamos la oportunidad enfrente de nosotros de poder ganar una, una copa ante el mejor jugador de la historia, ¿no? En mi punto de vista. Eh, yo le transmitía a mis compañeros, eh, le vas a tener algo que contar a tus nietos si le podemos ganar la copa a Messi, ¿no? Es, es real esto, no es, no es mentira, ¿no? El día de mañana podías contar que ganaste una copa, una final contra Messi, ¿no? Eh, para mí, en lo personal, me hubiese encantado que jugara. Sabía que teníamos menos posibilidades de ganar si él jugaba, pero para mí fue muy especial poder ganar esa copa estando o no, no estando Messi, ¿no? Porque cuando yo llegué a Houston, eh, dije que venía a ganar, a competir, y, y creo que... Esto me ha hecho valer un poco mi palabra y, y sobre todo del, del crecimiento que hemos tenido lo, el, el año pasado, ¿no? Entonces, eh, yo estaba súper feliz y lo disfruté muchísimo. So, he told the guys, this is what he was telling his teammates, that it's an opportunity to win a cup against the best ever. You can tell your grandkids, hey, we beat Messi in a final, um, and you wouldn't be lying. He said he would have, you know, loved to have 
won against Messi and played it, but it would have given them obviously uh, less of a chance to win. He said either way it was a special because when he came to Houston, he said he was going to win trophies and helped him kind of, um, you know, prove true on his yeah. word that, that, you know, he said he was going to come to win trophies and they certainly did it. Let's get a question in on the Mexican national team. I'm curious, just conversations with Jimmy Lozano, where he feels um, like he is. He was called in in September, so he can't be that far from, from the pool. Fuiste convocado en septiembre. Has hablado con Jimmy Lozano. En estos pueblos jugadores, ¿cómo te sientes? ¿Cómo van tus posibilidades de representar la selección mexicana? Sí, yo, bueno, gracias a Dios tengo buena relación con el, con el Jimmy. Hablé con él cuando se hizo cargo de la selección antes de la Copa Oro. Eh, hablamos antes de que fuera convocado. Hablé en las siguientes concentraciones, también hablé. Aunque no fui convocado, también hablamos. Eh, Y yo le dejé claro lo que pensaba, él me dejó claro lo que pensaba también. Le dije que si, si él me veía bien para competir un lugar en la selección y creía que le podía ayudar, que yo estaba eh, siempre disponible para, para la selección y para, y para él. ¿no? Eh, obviamente que ahora nos hemos tenido un parón, hay que arrancar otra vez para empezar a hacer las cosas bien y poder tener oportunidad otra vez de, de competir por un lugar en la selección. ¿no? ¿Quieres esa Copa América? Claro, quiero Copa América y todo lo que, que venga. ¿no? Mientras crea yo que, que estoy bien y que, que me siento bien y que puedo seguir aportando eh, fútbol y experiencia en la selección. So uh, we asked him, obviously, there about the Mexican national team. He says he's got a great relationship with Jimmy Lozano. It sounds like they talk a lot, not just when he's called in, but actually when he's not uh, called in as well. Hector says he left it you know, very clear. says if Jimmy thinks that he can help the team, he's ready and, uh, and available. And there you heard at the end, I asked him about Copa America. He'd love to uh, be there in the United States here in 2024. Hector, muchas gracias and good luck this season. And the next interview, si te la cobramos en inglés, okay? Yeah, muchas hey, gracias. Next interview, trae los guaraches. Eso es como lo de Jorge Campo. Me tiene que regalar uno. <laughs> 2023, his first full season in MLS, and what a year it was for the 33-year-old Mexican international. In 2022, Houston finishing 13th next to last in the Western Conference. In 2023, with Ache pulling the strings, they move all the way up to fourth in the West. All right, what about a team that uh, doesn't need a turnaround? That's the Philadelphia Union, a true staple of consistency in Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference over the years. And no bigger part of the Union's success than goalie Andre Blake, the 33-year-old Jamaican international is coming off another solid year as he gets ready to head into his 11th MLS campaign. Andre Blake of the Philadelphia Union and Jamaican national team next with us here on Football Americas. Andre, welcome back to the show. Great to have you again. Thank you guys for having me. So let's start with the Philadelphia Union, man. Uh, you've been there forever. Do you feel like now you're just kind of part of the furniture in Philly? That's that's twice that he's mentioned you're either getting older or been. You know, have you noticed yeah, that? Yeah, right. I it's noticed a there's a trend. Yeah, there's a trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. You know, um, Philadelphia, as you said, you know, that's the only club I know professionally. You know, it's, it's been an up. Amazing ride. It's been an amazing journey. You know, I've grown with that club. You know, that club have grown. You know, and it's just, it's just a story to tell. You can see the growth too, right? Because you've been there since what 2014. There was a time where Philadelphia was kind of considered, at least in MLS, there was always the Open Cup successes or, or you know, finals appearances, kind of an also ran. Now, when we think of at least the Eastern Conference, you're always thinking of the Philadelphia Union. Why? What, what's happened over kind of that, that long spell? Yeah, the, the culture have changed. You know, when I just got drafted, it was more of just 
being being a participant in the league, mm. you know, and um, Ernie Stewart came in and was the first, you know, part of the change that, you know, decided, you know, we need to change the culture, start to bring in, you know, different players, you know, the standards changed, the standards got higher, and, you know, we just brought in a, a new culture, you know, holding players accountable and, you know, starting to become a team that make it to the playoffs every year, you know, bare minimum. And then after that, we were still hungry for more. And, you know, we just decided that we need to be, you know, one of the, the clubs that you talk about first when you talk about Eastern Conference. Mm. Over the years, we've seen the Philly Union rack up accolades like goalkeeper of the year, multiple times, defender of the year, MVP, or no, he wasn't actually MVP, mm -hmm. should have been MVP, uh, coach of the year. What's missing for Philly Union to take that step as MLS Cup champions? Yeah, I mean, 21, <laughs> we were, one, we were really close, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, I feel like we're right there. We're right there. We just have to keep pushing, just keep pushing. And um, we have that sense of belief that we're really close. You know, we're able to retain, you know, the core group of players, which for me is very important. You need that continuity. So we just have to keep going, you know, keep believing, you know, use the experience that we have gathered and, and hopefully, you know, sooner than later we can make that last step. From the outside, it's easy to see, like, you guys are always in the big games, but oftentimes you're not winning them. So from the outside, I might say, oh, they have a, a big game problem. Do you feel like you have that in Philly? I wouldn't consider it a, a big game problem. Maybe we're just missing, like, an extra player or two, you know, um, depth-wise, you know, it's very important, I think, you know, and um, the the MLS Cup that we lost, you know, um, having to lose Corey in that game, you know, we didn't really have much more. Mm. And, you know, depth with the amount of games that you have to play and, and the, the competitiveness of the schedule, you need to have a, a strong bench. And um, I feel like to an extent, you know, we were missing that a little bit. And, you know, even last year, I don't think our depth was as strong as the year before and that could have played a factor in how far we go. You know, Andre, a, a lot of times we have interviews with players, we ask them about what they would change in Major League Soccer or what they think, you know, kind of hampers Major League Soccer. And they always bring up the salary cap. They always bring up these mechanisms. You guys are kind of the exception to that rule. Mm. I mean, the year that you guys have won the Supporters Show, I believe you guys are 26th in spending. What are your thoughts? And what would Andre Blake do? It's good and it's bad. You know, I always say that. Um, the way we are built, you know, I, I would say we, we overachieve every year, you know. We don't spend a lot, we don't have the, the big fancy names, but we have a group of guys that are winners, you know, very competitive, and when we play against the big name teams, you know, we kind of get fired up for those games, you know, sometimes we fall short, but, you know, it kind of motivates people that, all right, you know, if you can spend this amount and still achieve to an extent, you know, people can become okay with that. You know, but I definitely think, you know, if, if we can get rid of some of the rules or be a little bit more flexible, you know, this league can really, really, you know, quickly become, you know, one of the, the top, 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 top leagues in the world. You know, we see the additions, though, like some of the huge names. You mentioned the LAFC team that you guys face in that final. They're bringing Gareth Bale off the bench. You know, you want to talk right. about depth. Yeah. This last year, we get Lionel Messi coming to the league. You guys, you mentioned you don't have the stars. Without those stars, can you compete with where MLS is heading 
to this kind of superstar-driven team where teams like L.A. and Miami, they can bring in almost whoever they want. Yeah, teams are stacking up right now, and if you want to stay relevant, you have to you have to go with the movements, you know, and um, I still think we have a really good team to compete, but, you know, sometimes when you get into these really big games, you might, you might come up short, you know. So, again, it, it comes down to the ambition of the club, you know, you know, is the club, you know, okay with just developing young players and selling and being okay, just getting into those big games but not taking the final step, you know, but if the ambitions of the club is to really take the next step, you know, at some point we're going to have to make a decision to, to really, you know, go with the movement of the league, you know, I'm not saying we need to, you know, splash big cash because we might not have that, but, you know, making a few additions can be really important because, you know, I think that would be the next step. You know, Andre, uh, when I was playing back in the 1900s, uh, <laughs> uh, it was early 2000s, early 2000s, Major League Soccer, I, I was playing for the Galaxy, and there was a perception amongst the league that the league would turn a blind eye when it came to the Galaxy, that, that they would let us get away with a lot of things, mm -hmm. you know, to bring in players, to do things. You know, Tanner, uh, Ernst Tanner, your sporting director, actually uh, said something to that effect about uh, John Thornton bringing in Gareth Bell. Is there a perception uh, maybe in your locker room, like a chip on your shoulder, that you guys don't get those players, you guys don't have that benefit of the doubt, you guys don't have a city, with all due respect to Philly, which is an amazing city. Yeah, easy, man. That Philly, is, Philly people are going to be mad if I you finish that sentence wrong. I got drafted right? by the Philly Kicks. <laughs> Shout out Philly Kicks. Uh, what I'm saying is it's not an inter, it's not an LAFC, LA Galaxy. It's not one of these destination cities for some of these superstars. Does that kind of give you a chip on your shoulder at the locker room? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and listen, life is not fair, you know, but it is what it is. And I think, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons why we play the way we play. You know, we know that, you know, we might not have the luxury as some of these fancy um, clubs in these fancy cities. But, I mean, we know what's at stake. You know, we, we know um, our duties and we just have to go out there and, and still do our best and, and to know that if, you know, a group of individuals coming together can beat these stars, you know, the, the feeling that you get from that, you know, it's amazing. It's not easy. Sometimes we do come up short because you're playing against world-class players, let's be honest. But it is really what motivates us. Mm. Oh, when we talk about stars, there is no bigger name than Lionel Messi. We went crazy. Probably people in your dressing room went crazy. People all across the league went crazy when you find out Messi's coming to the U.S. Uh, but you're a goalie that's got to go up against him. So when you hear it, uh, is it He's a different reaction? He's all day, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to respect, you have to respect the guy. He's an unbelievable player, you know, and um, the first thing that came to mind, you know, I get to play against Messi. What can I do to stop Messi? You know, and you can't really stop him, to be honest. He's, he's the best in the world. No, but having the chance to play against him is, is an um, unbelievable, you know, feeling, you know, and um, yeah, if you get to shut him out, you know, make some really big saves against him, it can really be, be big time for you as a goalkeeper. Uh, before we let you go, we got to talk about the Jamaican national team. I remember the uh, Netflix doc, Captains, mm -hmm. and there's a pretty intense scene in there where you were talking about what was wrong mm -hmm. with the national team. Fast forward to the end of 2023, you guys are pulling off this incredible comeback against Canada. How'd you fix it? What did, what did you change? Yeah, I just think there were some conversations that need to be had, you know. Um, I was getting super frustrated because when I look around the room and I see all the talent that we have in the room with the amount of guys that's playing in the, in the Premier League, I know how good we can be. But, you know, for whatever reason, when we come together for national team, we just couldn't figure it out, you know. And um, 
for me it was getting to a point where I'm, I'm saying like we're all getting older and I do not want to look back you know 10 years from now and be like oh we had so many good players but nothing to show for it you know so it was for me it was a very hard conversation but I had to have that conversation to kind of let guys realize that listen you know we have what it takes and we just need to figure it out because we need to figure it out before it's too late you know and I think guys are starting to understand the assignment more and more and to just understand that you're not just going to show up and it's going to happen it's going to take hard work and commitment. Andre if I were to ask you last question if I were to ask you how the Copa America group for Jamaica would end up one two three four how would you rank them? Can you go again? If I were to ask you how Copa America, your group in Copa America, would end up, Mexico, Ecuador, Venezuela, and yourself, mm -hmm. how would the ranking go one, two, three, four in the group phase? Um, um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, two teams qualify. I'm going to put Jamaica at second. I don't know who's going to be first, <laughs> third, or fourth, but... We're betting on ourselves to qualify for the for the for the knockout round. All that matters is that Jamaica's in the That's top right. two, right? That's exactly. all that matters. Take it to the knockout round. There is. Wow. Andre Blake, Jamaican national team in Philadelphia Union. Thanks so much for the time here on Football America. It's great to be with you. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Andre. Big year coming up for Andre Blake as he's heading to the Copa America with Jamaica in the summer. But before that, the University of Connecticut product looking to get Philly back atop the Eastern Conference after the Union finished fourth in the East in 2023. What about at the bottom of the East? That's where we found Toronto FC after a disastrous 2023. Manager Bob Bradley fired midway through the campaign as Toronto limped not just the worst record in the East, the worst record in all of Major League Soccer, earning them the coveted, or maybe not so coveted, wooden spoon and prompting the hiring of former Canadian men's national team manager, John Herdman. John Herdman, manager of Toronto FC, joining us. Now, we haven't had a chance to talk to you in a long time, so just kind of give us the idea behind joining Toronto FC. That's obviously a massive decision. What drew you to it? Just ready for club football. Now being at Canada Soccer for 12 years, international coaching, I'm not getting any younger <laughs> and, and I think you've got to be relatively a young man to take on the challenges of, of club football and I think for me the staff, it's something we wanted to experience at, at some point. It was either, you know, exit around 2026 after a home World Cup or get after it now and we, we made that call. It's, it's time. Turning down a home World Cup, that wasn't tough? I think it's always tough, but I'd done one on the women's side in 2015, which, which was amazing. And you've been with the team now for nearly five years. I mean, you're looking at another two more, two more years with the team, and it's time. Sometimes you know it's time, you know, whether it's the organization you're working with or the player group. I think they need something fresh. I needed something fresh, and you know, I think, as I say, working with Canada Soccer, it was uh, it was a bit of a struggle mm. through through three four years. There's only so much I think you're willing to to tolerate, and you know when it's time to go. How much of that was your experience of the World Cup? Because I've heard you say that maybe you shouldn't have gone. Maybe it was a mistake for you to go to the World Cup. Um, how much of that had had to do? Yeah, I th with I, the decision. No, I think the World Cup. When we qualified, I had a personal moment after after qualification, and it was uh, it was a really difficult moment for me. The family uh, it was a turning point. 
But things started to change, you know. I think for me, my motivation was shifting, um, and there was uh, there was definitely some organisational elements that had disrupted the team. There's no doubt culturally. You felt the, the connection was changing. There was a lot more clutter around the group, and I did. I had a I had a few offers in June, and me and my wife had sat down, and you know I was ready to to go at that point. You're you're big on culture. I've noticed that with your teams, Toronto Toronto FC. What kind of culture are you getting? Wooden spoon last season. Uh, obviously, well-documented issues in yeah. the press with the locker room. W what type of culture are you getting at Toronto? I think an exciting one. I mean, through my career, these are the the challenges that I've looked forward to the most. Whether it was the women's team that had finished last in Germany in a World Cup, or a men's Canadian team that had done nothing for 36 years. You know, this is this is the challenge that I enjoy. It's uh, it's sort of resetting. It's using the motivation that's in there, the redemption element, the reset of a new culture, and it's a group that wants something new. They want something fresh, and you know, we're definitely bringing something a bit different. That's for sure. It was a little bit weird last year, right? You get the job and you're you're not coaching, but you're there. So what did you see in those few months that you wanted to address as soon as you were really in charge? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was announced in September. Um, I did a hand-on period with Canada Soccer. I mean, you've been somewhere for 12 years. There's a few files you've got to organize and pass on for a legacy. But then, you know, I was clear. Um, I didn't want to come in in November and start uh, at right at the brand new season. I wanted to come in and see and feel MLS. I wanted to see the guys in a tough moment. Um, and I wanted to get a chance to work with the players. And, and what I felt is, I mean, it's a group that has gone through a lot of trauma. I mean, that, when you lose the way they were losing, it's, uh, it's tough and, and you could see the, the confidence had gone, the belief had gone, and there was a permissiveness that had sort of, that happens in those type of cultures where standards have naturally lowered because there's just no belief. So being able to listen, speak to people in that moment and, and get their, their true feeling, mm. uh, I think that was invaluable. Quickly, because you say culture, um, the two big names, Lorenzo Insigne, Federico Bernadeschi, I think when you talk about culture, you got to buy in. Are those two guys, in your opinion, you think they're bought in? I think it's a continual process. I mean, you could say that about any of the teams I've worked with. You know, players will buy in at certain stages, and then they'll buy out or buy in. So, you know, I've got to work at that every day. I think for those two, there's a buy-in because they want to change. And they have a they have a chance now. There's just no more excuses for for I think any of the players there. You know they they've had a reset. They're getting a full preseason, and we'll work on that buy-in towards what they want. And buying into what they want is to become top in MLS. That's where they believe they can take this club. So. I'm buying into their vision as much as they're <laughs> buying into mine. Perfect. All right, there he is, uh, John Herman, manager of Toronto FC. Thanks so much for the time here on Football Americas. Yeah, cheers, guys.
plenty more interviews to come here on Football Americas, but a good time to remind you about ESPN FC. You can watch it seven days a week here on ESPN, the crew covering all the latest from around the world of football every day. Let's get back to Major League Soccer, where last year's Supporter Shield winners were, of course, FC Cincinnati. Matt Miazga, what a huge year for him. MLS All-Star? Check. MLS Best 11? Check. MLS Defender of the Year? Check as well. Cincinnati put together a campaign for the history books. Matt Miazga of FC Cincinnati and the reigning MLS Defender of the Year, our next I guest here. I got him confused. I thought it was wild. <laughs> steady, steady. <laughs> so usually we like to start interviews, you know, not a couple softball questions. Get the guess, but let's dive right into it. What happened against New York Red Bulls last year? What happened at the end of that game? <laughs> I actually defended you at first because I, I don't think... I don't think the red I, card could was you, taunting. Do you believe he said this, that he defended you at first? You know yeah, because you, like, you like I hammered, oh, I hammered you. I hammered you. I hammered you. Fair play. But I, but I thought that the, the yellow was, you were actually like trying to be nice to Red Bull fans. Like you weren't taunting, okay. right? Did you Lock. think you got red carded because that was like three yellows? I didn't get red carded, though. I know, but it, you got three yellows. I was worried that he was going to show me a red card, but I'm he saying. didn't. Yeah. Long story short, Red Bull's home. Right. I grew up there since I was, since, since I was born, obviously. I was playing in the academy, first team contract. Played there, won trophies there, got sold. That's home. Red Bulls always love. I get, I get booed. I'm getting booed. I understood. Did that hurt? It didn't hurt, but I was like, I understood it because they're maybe trying to get in my head. Okay. Because, you know, it's right. football. It's a game. Right. You know, you know yeah. everyone's trying yeah. to, you know, have a little tricks. Edge, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I shoot the penalty. I'm thinking they're booing me going up to it. They're booing it. me after <laughs> it, yeah. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, <laughs> I'm like it's all. I'm like it's all love. Like I'm one of you guys. Like why are you booing me? Like I'm trying. Oh, to... from your end, you were trying That's to reason with them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was yes. not a taunt. Oh, it I thought you were ta- taunting. Them. No, you. If I'm, ta- I'm not. This is ta- is taunting. Come on, taunting is hey, throwing the finger we're... and <laughs> and what? And you no, know, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. But no, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I I was showing genuine like. Okay. Really, guys? Like yeah. I'm one of you uh-huh. guys. Like why are we booing here? Like, so what happened? Did you guys like? Did you guys boo? I don't know who who left and came back. Did you guys boo? You felt like they were you booing you, sh- you Sasha Clash. Did you guys boo Sasha? Did right. you guys boo BWP? Dax McCarty. Did you guys Bradley boo Luis Robles? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I didn't play long enough there, but like I've won trophies with you guys. Like, and and you gave him some. You were an export. Exactly. Yeah. I made a big move to Chelsea yeah. at the time. So like, I've always shown and expressed my love to the Red Bulls. Right. You know what I mean? So I was a bit kind of just kind of reasoning like guys like. It's all love here. Like I love you. Like relax. Yeah. Like come yeah. on. And then I was surprised that the ye- the referee gave me a yellow card because I don't. Re- I didn't. Sunk. I didn't. Because then I knew I was suspended. Right. Right. Because I was three yellows now. But then I was confused because he didn't give me a red card. Right. Right. So I was like, what's going on over here? Is but that I'll- why you go into the dressing room, or what happens? With no. The- no. 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 So um, I'm gonna. We'll keep get it- there. Yeah, we'll get there. But what ended up happening was I told the referee, I'm like, what's the yellow card for? And he, I don't remember what he said, but I think he said I, I was taunting. But I'm like, no, you these are my fans. Yourself. Like, these are my people. Like, okay. I've, I've played under I, with them for years. Like, I was just trying to show. And, he, and I, I think he was just disappointed. I think he was. I think he came at me because I got a yellow card prior for for disputing a call that he made oh, at the time when okay. Lucho scored the Olimpico. Right. So I don't know what happened. You're already there. on his bad side. I think so. Yeah. And it was what it was. Right. And then, long story short, um, I think. Uh, you know, I can di- like, I thought about this over the course of the offseason. I can dive into it and I can say, you know, you know, more details about the situation, but it's already done. Like, the situation, what do you get out of it? The situation happened. Yeah. I'm just going to sound like a whiny little dude. Like, there's no point in me going back and saying, 
you know. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> there's no point in me going back and saying, you know, like, oh. It won't change. Am I disappointed with, with, with the, th <clears throat> the three-game suspension? Of course I am. Did I think I deserve a three-game suspension? No. Can I ask you something? Do you think you cost your team with that three-game suspension? Do you think if you were on the field that Cincy would have gone further? Um, I don't know because what do you things think? can happen. What do you think? I would like Your defender to, of the year. What I would do you like think? to think that I'm an important player for the team and I would have helped. That's, that's what I would think. Right. Do I think maybe, you know, we could have lost with me. Right. We could have won with me. I don't know. But I would like to think that, you know, I would, I would be a valuable help to the team. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. In my brief career, I watched a lot of soccer from the bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wonder, like, what that experience was like. Because I don't know, there was a helpless feeling sometimes in big games. It was, yeah. What yeah. that feeling was like watching that Columbus game, especially the way it went the down. The way, like, as, as, the yeah. melt, as you see the meltdown happening. Because you're, you're removed from it, so you probably, you see the signs. Yeah, I, I, w I was surprised. We're up 2-0. Yeah. We were, I mean, of course, Columbus is good in what they do, but they weren't really threatening until towards the end of the game, and that's when they... That's a bit unfair. That could have been 2-2 halftime. Yeah, but it could have been 3-4-0 or four, also. Lupenza... Of course. Had, I'm not you know, saying, I'm not, but I'm saying they were threatening. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say, like, threatening. I mean, they keep possession and they go side to side, but I wouldn't say, like, they had some clear-cut, like, crazy chances where they can kill it. We had better chances, I would say. But we lost the game. You know, we were up 2-0. And unfortunately, yeah. we, we didn't hold the lead, and we got to learn from it, you know. But then the day, that doesn't take away from our season. You know, we've had a really successful season, and I think you guys saw that um, as obviously people that are, are analyzing and observing. And I think that, um, you know, we had a really important season and set the foundation for the future. You, you say it doesn't take away from the season, and what's interesting is when you guys clinched the shield, your coach came out and said, this is surpassed MLS Cup. And we actually did a segment on the show. We were like, wait, what? Um, when what, do you guys, what do you guys think? Well, so I'm of the I'll let you know exactly what yeah. I think. I'm of the vein that supporter shields aren't real trophies. Um, they mean something to the team because it means you're consistent mm -hmm. and you're good and you were the best in the regular season, but it holds no weight compared to an MLS Cup. Um, uh, can I just add to that? The unbalanced schedule makes it so like correct. your whatever points you would achieve against your <laughs> schedule, we couldn't really compare to the points that very well, LAFC very, very achieved. That so. is true, but that's just a matter of five or six games because of the schedule. Because like I'm playing, well, that's true because they're only playing West right. and we're right. only playing East, and then we play a couple. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah, so you're not playing that, the that same is a league. good point. I'm that not taking anything away from you. Well, you guys were the yeah. best team in Major League Soccer. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is, it's not the same as winning MLS Cup. Yeah. That's you know, to I'm looking at it. I've been in Europe for seven years, so I'm looking at it from a European perspective. It's much more, it's harder and more demanding to be consistent and the best team through a season of 10 months right. or nine months, whatever it was, through a course of 34 games, right, right. especially in the conditions that MLS has in the, uh, um, in the dead of uh, summer, summer. <laughs> you know, playing, you know, in that heat is crazy. But nonetheless, a consistent stretch of 34 games, being the best team consistently, I feel like it's much more harder to be to, to it's win. It's absolutely more hard than, to be consistent uh, for nine months a, than a five-game stretch of, of like a, it's a of tournament. Course. But that's the American American way of doing things. You have regular season and you have playoffs. In Europe, you're champion. Regular season, you know that's the that's the. So trophy. you consider yourself champion? Well, we won the we won the league, didn't we? Not right. we won the league. You they won the supporter won. shield. Well, that, that's Columbus the won the league. I don't know. That's they won the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you, it, I mean, 
I understand your perspective. I got to roll. When you retire, you got to sit this. over here what with me. You, I'm telling you. What you, would you rather have, course, Supporter Shield or MLS Cup? That's tough to say because it's How like, is that tough to say? Because I want a Supporter Shield, so I'm going to be a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to be around the bush with you guys. Like, you know, I can be uh, political and stuff. Yeah. But right. the reality is, look, MLS Cup is important, of course. Mm -hmm. that yeah. in, a, in the American landscape of sports, that's the playoffs. Yeah. That's the champion at the end of the regular season. Now, I'm not taking away anything from Columbus because they're a phenomenal team. Yeah, they did. They, well. des they deserve to win the MLS Cup playoffs. They were the best team in that stretch of, was it five or six games? Uh, I don't know how much they played. More. Five or six games. games. They yeah. were the best team. Fair play. They won that. But that doesn't take away that we were the league winners winning a 34 game season because that's 34 games. But it, you, can, you can argue that, you know, maybe the schedule sometimes are a bit unfair. Yeah. Of course. That's, I'm, I'm being real here. I'm no, just, of course. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Cincinnati, which yeah. is an amazing fan base and, and had yeah. an amazing season. Yeah. And, yeah, obviously, individual awards that you yeah. guys won and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Champions Cup. Cincinnati and Champions Cup. That's a goal of ours, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think um, a huge goal of ours, obviously. You see the strength of the Liga MX teams. So uh, playing against them, potentially, if obviously, if we keep moving forward. I'm sure they will as well. It will be important. Do you need to make moves to win it, or with what you have right now is enough? Um, well, we just lost Brandon, so he was an important player to our team. So I, I, I would like potentially be facing him, no? Yeah, here we are. Yeah. I spoke about it with him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> but I'd like to think that you know our front office is doing the right moves uh, to, to replace Brandon and with a good striker, another good striker. Um, but you know we have a quality group of guys. Um, we obviously added Miles, which is important, because we lost Yerson, who was obviously really good for us. Um, so I'd like to think that, you know, we add a few more pieces, we should be challenging. You might know a thing or two about the transfer market, just given your kind of career. I wonder what your reaction was to the Brandon move. Um, I knew there was interest in him the whole time. Obviously, he had interest uh, from Europe in the summer uh, that I think we were all aware of. Um, yeah, when I first saw the rumors, I was surprised. I texted him. I'm like, dude, what's going on over here? And he's just like, yeah, it's real. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's definitely real. And then, you know, we spoke as as friends, uh, you know, confidentially, and I think it was a good opportunity for him. You know, it's obviously sad missing him because me and him got along really well off the pitch. He was one of my best friends on the team. Um, but, you know, that's football, that's life. You got to move on and do, do what you got to do for yourself and for your family. You know, I, I'm almost more interested in hearing about uh, Miles Robinson because uh, I'm sure you see yourself very much in the center back pull for the U.S. Men's National yeah, I mean, here you got Here you have a guy who's direct competition to you, who's now your... <laughs> your, your, your duo, your this guy's, this guy's, this guy's sneaky. Hey, he's good at it. He's no, good at it. Do you know what fair. I mean? That's I mean, that is a human reaction. That's fair. That's you know? fair. I, your general thoughts on this? Um, well, my general thoughts is that, like, you know, I was with Miles in the Gold Cup, so we, you know, that was the first time I think we played together, and I, you know, I got, I got, um, I got to build a rapport with him, I should say, um, and he's a great guy, and I think that he's going to add a lot to the team. He's obviously a great player too, so I think the first thoughts, like, damn, like. That's a good move. Like you know, right. we're replacing Mosquera who left, and me and him got on well with another you know top defender in the league. Yeah. So I think from a standpoint, like okay, it's a good move for Cincinnati moving forward. Like I feel comfortable knowing that okay, you know, we got a good guy. Um, but from the national team perspective, I didn't really think about it like that just yet because you know I got to focus on myself. Right. You know, I can't worry about right. you know I can't control what, who Greg calls. You know, that's his decisions and whatever he thinks. You know, I just got to do what I what I got to do and focus and and see how it plays out. You know, unfortunately, didn't you know the last few years didn't play out for me. Um, maybe this year will change a bit. Can I ask a, a question that's mm -hmm. out there? Do, do you 
I think maybe some positions for some players, the, the feeling is different. If I asked a nine if they needed to be in Europe to compete in that pool of nines, they would say yes. Do you think with this manager you need to be in Europe to compete in the center back pool? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I think that's a question for obviously the manager to answer. Uh, obviously, there's no shying away. Europe is top level. You yeah. know, you got guys like Tim and and Chris Richards who are playing yeah. uh, at a high level. Yeah, Premier Carter League. Vickers. Yeah, they're playing. Prim, yeah. You know, those guys are playing Premier League. You know, you got some other guys, even J John Brooks. Yeah, he's playing Bundesliga. <clears throat> so you know, I I understand those leagues are a higher level than MLS. So, um, but I was also at the time, you know, I, you know, uh, in Europe also, and I didn't get called in a few times. So I don't know. And then when I wasn't getting called in, there was MLS players getting yeah. called in. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And then I came back to MLS and I didn't get called in. So I, I don't know the answer to that. I can only just focus on myself. And whatever Greg decides to do, that's his job. He needs to make decisions. If I agree with it or if I don't agree with it, I got to live with it and just move forward, you know? You know, as fans is, and media, when we think of transfers, I think we always think Europe, Europe. So when we yeah. talk about Miles Robinson, I think there was some fans that were like, oh, he didn't go to Europe. He stayed in MLS. Same with Brandon. I think there was a lot of fans who thought yeah. maybe he would go to Europe. As somebody who's been in Europe and, is, and knows that world yeah. and the finances of it well, um, what is your reaction? And maybe explain to us a little bit why, you know, some guys will go to Europe early in their careers. Later in your careers, maybe the MLS or Liga Mekis route is more beneficial. Yeah, no, um, I think everyone's scenario is different, you know, for different reasons. Um, you know, my scenario was different than other guys. I went really young and it was a pathway for me, you know, you know, big clubs calling, you're never going to say no. But the reality is, like, we, we, play, we, play, we play soccer, right? And it's our job, you know. We obviously want to be compensated really well for our job. And people don't realize that finances are a big part in decisions. Players can, players can politically say, you know, online or, or in interviews, you know, I don't really think about the money. But let's be honest here. Money's important to an extent, right? So you're going to go to a place where, you know, potentially you're going to get a bigger contract because the more money you get offered, the more value you feel, right? Because you feel like, oh, this team really wants me. They're giving me, you know, a great contract. And people have to realize, like, okay, I have a good contract now. Wow, I can take care of my family for the rest of my life or so on and so forth. So these are decisions are really important. Um, so I feel like that is a factor in a lot of people's decisions. Um, going to Europe potentially also, you know, European teams now realize, okay, maybe I can get a younger player at 19, 20, or 21 years old and mold them and pay them less than potentially getting, you know, uh, a 25, 26, 27 year old player, 30 year old player from Europe and, you know, bringing him to, 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 to play at our level um, because they'd rather just develop and mold a younger guy who's maybe the same level as uh, the MLS player. People don't realize there's also, there's still a negative perception about MLS in, in, in Europe. Really? There is. You know, when I went there, like, you're an American player, show me what you can do. Vice versa, a Brazilian or Argentinian come to MLS, you're thinking, all right, we got a baller here. He knows how to play. Right. So there's more credibility. So people, I think there's still like a, you know, a stigma about, you know, the American player can't play. Obviously, we're, we're changing that now because you see Christian, you see Weston playing at top clubs, but it's not enough. We need more and more guys to continue to go to Europe and prove themselves. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, Premier League is a different level. Is a Premier it's very rare for a Premier League club to come and bring a guy from MLS to the Premier League. They're, they're more inclined to take a guy from the Bundesliga, a young player from the right. Bundesliga, a young player from Holland that's already played in Europe 
played in, played a European league minutes. It's like when I went to Chelsea, you know, of course I went there. They, they believed in me in a bit, but then you know they realized you got to go get European minutes to to, to, to continue your progression. You know it's also saying? Chelsea who has of a, course, a of course. roster full of of course, yeah. of course. So yeah. I, I didn't cut it for those six months I was there for the year I was there. All right, I got to go play. I got to go play European minutes yeah. and prove myself. So. These things matter, you know what I mean? Yep. There it is, Matt Miazga, the uh, reigning defender of the year in Major League Soccer. Thanks so much for the time here uh, on Football America. It's great to be with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All told, then, 2023, a pretty good year for Matt Miazga. The 28-year-old made 29 league appearances last year for FC Cincinnati. On top of that, five appearances with the U.S. national team at the uh, Gold Cup, working his way back into the national team picture, the MLS Defender of the Year for 2023. What about the MLS Comeback Player of the Year from 2023? That none other than Alan Pulido of Sporting Kansas City, the Mexican striker. Of course, missed all of 2022 with a knee injury, but what a resurgence last year. 14 goals, four assists in the regular season as SKC slid into the playoffs, advancing past San Jose and eventually top seed St. Louis before falling to Houston in the Western Conference semis. Alan Pulido of Sporting Kansas City next with us here on Football Americas. And can I say something? Yeah. The first guest to bring gifts to the Football America. Oh, bring set. you a gift. Oh, he brought you a gift, too. Yeah. He brought you a gift. Thank yeah. you, Alan. No, no, very no, nice. Welcome, very welcome. nice. Was this your doing, or? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think the media team over at Sporting Kansas City is just trying to butter us up a little so, bit. Some of the you better, know, some very of the better media members, yes. or media teams, I should say. So, uh, how are you feeling? You ready for this season? Yes, I am ready. I feel very good, and, and I am excited for, the next year, for this year. Very different than last year, huh? What does it mean to you when you have that MLS Comeback Player of the Year award that they give you? Because I'm sure we talk about it a lot on our show like when guys get injured as a professional it's just like the worst thing so when you come back and then get awarded for it how did that make you feel yes it's, it's difficult it's difficult my injury because I don't know is I, I, I miss like one year and four months mm. but I approached about me and about my staff my medical staff uh, to the sporting because they guys like working very hard with me about like my recovery and last year, I don't know, it's amazing for me. Uh, after after my injury, I play like a lot of matches and and I score like 50 goals and and five assists. So and and the team also uh, we we make like in the playoffs. We stay in the playoffs and we and we play the semifinal. No, unfortunately we don't advance, but this is the soccer. And, and now, I don't know, we are improved about my last year with the team for me. Take this the right way. Were you worried because you're coming off a knee injury and it's a contract year with Kansas City, a lot's in the air, you don't know how you're going to be physically on the field, was there a part of you that was worried? And once the ball starts going in the net, what did you feel? Amazing, because uh, my last year for me is, is fantastic, no? it's like the best contract for me in my career. and. I scored like a lot of goals. I held to my team for make to the playoffs, win the games, and, and also I don't know if I remember who is my my year when I don't play. It's very difficult and it's hard, but for me always is like working, good mentality, and this is, is for this now. It is the, the result about like all the work when I make. So you had a great season last year. Sporting Kansas City had kind of a weird season, right? Like terrible start, kind of some yeah. ups and downs. There were, there were moments where it seemed like things were really falling apart. And at the end of the year, like you say, you, you kind of make this rally to make playoffs. And then 
uh, put together a great series against uh, against St. Louis. Describe last year. What was that experience like for you from a team perspective? The ups and the downs. Yes, we, we have like two phases. No, for mm. me it's like two phases because when we in the start to the to the season the last year. Uh, we miss like a lot of players, you know, it's injuries like me, Johnny Russell, Gadi Kinda, and and and, and the, the team. Maybe he don't try to, he don't find like I don't know, like the result, no, and and, and the the opportunities for win the matches. But in the end of the season, uh, I think a lot of players come back about the injury, like me and, and all, all these players. And, and we and we play better, no? We play better together. Uh, we know and we are like a strong team. Uh, Peter also working very hard about about the team uh, and change a little mentality because a lot of players they have like no good, you know, no good mentality and uh, and maybe the, the the players think like the season is off for us. But Peter changed this mentality and, and we and we and we go forward, you know, and and we win the games and we play better. And now it's for this in the last three, four matches we win and we stay in the play in the playoff. I, I want to switch uh, for a second and talk about Javier Hernandez. He's 35 years old. He's going through something very similar to you with the knee injury. Um, lots of reports heating up that he's going to sign with Chivas de Guadalajara. Uh, what do you think of Javier Hernandez coming off a knee injury can offer a team like Chivas? It's okay. I. I look like positive this, this, you know, this, uh, the Chicharito come to Guadalajara uh, because, I don't know, Chivas, he don't have like good forward like for four years ago and Chicharito, he have very Since good. you've been there? Yes, yes, You were yes, the last one? Yes, I am the last one and Chicharito, he have like very good experience, he, he's like very good, very good professional player, he, I don't know, he, he is like a good player also, no? And, and maybe if he go to the Chivas, maybe he try to help to the Chivas better, strong team. He's not the only player going from MLS to Liga Mekis. We just saw it with uh, Brandon Vasquez right. going from FC Cincinnati yes. to Rayados. Is it harder to score in Liga Mekis or harder to score in Major League Soccer? Uh, it's, it's different, I don't know, it's, it's different defense, you know? Uh, I don't know, in Mexico, for me, I don't know, the, the teams he tried to to like you don't you you don't have like a lot of the space you know mm. because it's like more I don't know structure and defensive uh, and and you have like short space for score and here the the the, the soccer is like more like a, like a Europe you know you you try to find more space because all the team they want to score in uh, in in Mexico no you try. A lot. Of, I, I have in the past a lot of coaches and say like, okay, if I don't score, it's okay. But we we draw in, we draw and it's okay. We have like very good, very good job, you know. Uh, in the in you know in a way when we play away, so it's different football. But for sure, it's more difficult in Mexico. You do, you score like a lot of a lot of goals about this about this situation. Mm. Are you surprised at all that a team like Chivas is? Going the route of a Kate Cowell, who's with the U.S. Men's National Team, mm. I believe he will be the first player from the U.S. Men's National Team to play for Chivas. Does that surprise you at all? Yeah, he's surprised because because he's a young player, and and normally in Chivas he try to, to he try to find like different players, but I speak another uh, in another day with one friend, and I say this guy play amazing. He, this guy is, is good player, uh, and I and I think for me he he helped a lot a lot a lot to the Chivas, Chivas team. You're, you're from Chivas. Do you care that he plays for the U.S. men's national team? Does that matter to you? 
I don't know. No, for me it's okay, you know. For me, I know I play in Chivas, but uh, this is the history about the club, you know. But for me, if a lot of players come with good, with good I don't know, good qualities, for me it's, it's okay because I want to Chivas stay in the first position. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Mexican national team while we got you here for a second. Copa America is coming up this year. It's a huge tournament for Mexico, for the U.S., obviously going to be here in this country. What do you think Mexico's possibilities are in that tournament? Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's hard now in, in this position. Mexico, I think, don't pass like very good moment. But of course, to the coach Jimmy Lozano, is is the new the new guy, you know, in 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 the Mexico in the Mexican team. So I uh, I want and I and I hope like he may he he try to make very good job in the Copa America, you know. Uh, I know the 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 rivals is is different because it's different different countries. But I hope and and, and they pass like I don't know the first two rounds, you know. Does Alan Pulido see himself on the Mexican national team right now in that pool? And if so, um, has he spoken to Jimmy Lozano? Is there any contact with the Mexican national team? No, no, no. The last contact to me is like Diego Coca. Uh, I remember he called me and, and, and he tried to, and I go there with the national team. But uh, I am injured. Uh, okay, I am like start to the recover, coming back to my injury, and and I, and I don't go. But Jimmy Lozano, no, the, the, he don't contact me. Not in, only the medical staff asks me a lot of times, like, hey, how you feel, how you feel in the in the in the in the pitch, how you feel about your knee and everything, but no, I don't have contact with him. Mm. I got to ask you one last question, just because you've got a very kind of interesting career coming out of Mexico. You made it out of Mexico. We talk about this on the show all the time. There's so much talent in Liga MX that never leaves. Um, do you think we're any closer now, maybe a decade after? Well, he you, forced his way out. Right, of right. But, uh, uh, and, and that's the point. You had to force your way out. Is Mexican soccer in a, any better place now, 10 years later, in terms of selling players to the European market? Do you feel like there's a more openness, or is, are we still pretty much where we were when you were there? I don't know. Now it's difficult because... I don't know all the all the Mexican players when when the when the Europe Europe teams uh, try to buy him is like too much you know it's mm -hmm. like too expensive and this is the problem is for this now you you try to turn to the Europe and and it's less players that play in the in the, in the last five years you know because now the owners the the the, the owners the Mexican owners to the teams. He tried to find the best, I don't know, the best salary, you know, about mm -hmm. the, the, the players uh, and the transfer. And, and it's for this, it's, it's very difficult because uh, Europe teams, when try to find one guy and try to buy, it's like, I don't know, 11, 15 millions. And it's, it's too expensive for uh, Europe teams, it's a problem. Mm. Fascinating. Alan, thanks so much for the perspective and for being with us here on Football Americas. And good luck this season with Sporting Kansas City. No, thank you so much. As you can see here, Alan Pulido really with a great finish to last year. Same can be said for his team. They won three of their last four to get into the playoffs. And actually, during that run, Alan was awarded with a new contract, one that will keep him with Sporting Kansas City through 2026. Elsewhere in Major League Soccer, we got Nashville SC coming off a season in which they finished 7th in the Eastern Conference, qualifying for the postseason, but eventually falling to Orlando City in the playoffs. 2023 marked the fourth year for Walker Zimmerman uh, in Nashville, and Defender once again had a great campaign for the team in yellow. 
Walker Zimmerman of Nashville SC and the U.S. Men's National Team next with us here on Football Americas. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling ahead of the season? Feeling good. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on again. Love the show. Love you guys. Do you watch? I see the viral clips. Okay. You know, when you guys do something that, that goes crazy. That pisses I, I, people off. I yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the crazier one out of the two? No, your clips definitely I would go say more your, viral. Your yeah. clips go more viral. Yes. No, not yeah. more viral. Who's the crazier one out of the two? I you... think sometimes you have some hotter takes. Hotter Ooh, takes? Yeah. Oh, he's just spicy. sunk him. Yeah, I like I that. Think so. do, you, do, you ever th do you ever watch our stuff and be like, I could do that better? Do you want to do media when you're done? Uh, I think that you'd be pretty good at it. I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. I don't know that I'd... I'd I you got to come to the dark side. Back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You, I think you learned. You, you did an LAFC and they shipped you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, let me do it one time. Okay, he's gone. He's yeah, gone. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's good. So uh, I look at Nashville and, you know, if I, if I look over the last few years, right, I think third place a couple years ago, fifth place 2022, seventh place last year. Um, that would suggest the team's not moving in the right direction. Do you feel like it is, though? Yeah, I think, you know, we've had moderate success. I don't think any of us are content with what we've accomplished so far. I think the biggest, you know, notch in our belt so far was League's Cup, uh, getting to the final of that competition, knocking off some, some heavyweights in the region, and, and losing ultimately in what was, uh, what, 11 PKs. Um, that's really, that's about as close as you can get to, to a trophy, which is our end goal. Um, and then we, we kind of faded throughout the end of the last year. We were dealing with a lot, um, you know, injuries, that fatigue that set in, just kind of that post-Leagues Cup lull. And so that's something that, you know, being a leader of the team and, and holding myself accountable, the other guys accountable, like we can't afford to let that happen again. Uh, we kind of slipped in the standings a little bit, knocked us out of having home playoff games, which we know is a big advantage moving forward. Um, so ultimately, to sum up that question, success looks like winning a championship for the city in 2024. To Sebi's point, I mean, I see the way you guys play. Your defense is always one of the league's best. Last year, I can't believe there wasn't a defender of the year on your team. Uh, you have a premier goal scorer, premier threat in Hani Mukhtar. What's missing? Yeah, I think, you know, we do need some more contributions in the attack. And I think what you saw with our offseason acquisitions can, can fill in some of those needs. So you look at a guy like Tyler Boyd, who not only a great player on the field, amazing guy off the field, really excited to have him in the locker room. Um, Drew Yearwood, uh, a young player from Red Bull who comes with a lot of promise. McKenzie Gaines gives us that dynamic speed that we maybe lose with Fafa departing. So they're pieces that should uh, give us more depth, um, some more opportunity, and hopefully more goal contributions outside of Hani. And I think what you can see is that if he's not scoring at the elite level that he's been at most of the last three years, mm. it, it gets difficult. And look, that's why we do have a good solid defense and, and defensive midfielders and, and guys who can see games out is because we know that, you know, we might not have the most goals scored in the league, but we for sure will be up there trying to keep guys out of, out of the net on our end. What's Nashville like as a soccer city? On TV, it comes across really good. I've been there for some national yep. team games. Um, there was a time when you guys kind of struggled at home, but last year, I feel like you guys somewhat sorted that out. Yeah, we've, we've had definitely different streaks uh, trying to, to sort it out at home. I think we can continue to evolve our, our home form and be a little bit more dominant. Um, but the city itself is the way that it's embraced Nashville SC. I mean, you know, you got the largest soccer-specific stadium in the U.S., you're filling that out almost every game. I think we're averaging 28,000 and a 30,000 mm -hmm. capacity. So the support has been there since day one. And 
to make sure we keep having that support, we need to continue to move the needle in the right direction. You know, I, I'm just thinking out loud, um, when you think about Messi and the venues he played in, it became a home game for Inter almost everywhere mm -hmm. he went. I could think maybe the only place it didn't was, was Nashville. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. You like it when they booed Messi? Absolutely. I mean, you want to feel like you have a home game that the team, that the crowd is rooting for you, not mm -hmm. an opponent that's coming into play. And I get, I totally get it, the allure of, of having a, a guy like Messi uh, you know, greatest of all time type talent coming into your stadium, you're going to have fans there to see him, of course. But at the same time, uh, the fact that our fans took it upon themselves to say, no, well, we can, we can root for Messi, but let's be clear, like, we are wanting Nashville to win the game. I, I think that was a really cool thing to see from our fans. You know, I'm just curious, uh, do you have a problem? Because there was a lot of talk last year, regardless of who Messi played against, Players lining up for his jersey, players lining up for a photo right after the game. Do you have a problem with that? Not really. I, I think, you know, with sports, like, you, you do kind of create this close-knit community of players. You see it in other sports, too, NFL, NBA, and soccer, obviously. And you can compete and, and be as ruthless as you want on the field. And then after the game, final whistle's done, I, I could care less what, mm. what people are doing, getting jerseys and, and exchanging. I think it's, it's cool. It'll be a good story. I know Dax is super pumped that that he got a jersey, and Hani was a little bummed he couldn't get it the next time around <laughs> yeah. with, with the nature of how our game went. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they had, like, some kind of crazy agreement, like, well, you get it this time, then I'll get it the next time. And then oh, the next time the it was messy that kind of said, mm. Yeah, because the game got a little <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and so Hani was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> so Dax definitely won out on that one. Yeah. You got to treat Messi nice if you want his jersey. That's, That's the, right. That's yeah. the bottom line. All right, yeah. there he is, Walker Zimmerman. Thanks so much for the time here on Football Americas. Yeah. Great to have you with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And, of course, we're very focused on Major League Soccer, but Bundesliga is not just on ESPN+. Plus. It's coming weekend. ESPN2 as well. Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim. So that's uh, Alfonso Davies against John Brooks and Pellegrino Matarazzo. Uh, make sure to watch it here on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Coverage starts Friday, 2.20 Eastern Time. Pretty good day of work here in Miami, huh, Herc? Great day of work. Yeah. I had a great time. Did you change again? I did change again. Again, it's getting cold in here. <laughs> As the night rises here in Miami, it gets colder and colder. Uh, we just did, what, five or six interviews? But we got a lot more that are yes. going to roll out in the coming weeks. A lot more. A lot of good stuff. Uh, I have to say my huaraches were a hit. They were a hit. They were yeah. a hit. That shirt's a hit, too. Where did that come from? Uh, this is the Santos legend kit. Mm -hmm. You've got Oribe Peralta. you got Pony Ruiz. you got Acha. you got a few good ballers in here as well. Sanchez. Who, who did you say? What did the producer? Oh, my brother-in-law gave it to There it is. Is, yeah, uh, family first. Oh, oh, and the first ever, first ever scarf exchange for Football yes. Americas. Uh -huh. uh, Alan Polito and the good people of Kansas City, thank you very can, much. Can you show them what the scarf actually says? What is that say? the Soccer City scarf? Is that, is that the one that... that soccer capital. Soccer capital. Of America. Uh -oh, we're going to start another fight. Oh, that's uh, not St. Louis, Louis they said. Oh, that is terrible. All right. Uh, so, How folks, that you didn't hear from in this show, but we will hear from in the coming weeks. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne. Some very interesting comments from him about uh, what's going on at Toronto FC. Jonathan Osorio of TFC as well. Yeah, that was a Christian good one. Benteke of my DC United got some insight into my team there. Emil Forsberg uh, joining New he York. He kind of made fun of you. He did. He talked about Sweden, Mexico in 2008. Yeah, he did not feel bad for you at no, all. No, he didn't. Um, who else did we talk to? Maya Yoshida of the LA Galaxy. That was great for you Galaxy fans. That's an eye opener, one that you have to look out for. And for you LAFC fans, we got you covered as well. Ilya Sanchez uh, with his first. Always. Minutes. He spoke about Denny. That was. Uh, oof. Yes. Don't yeah. miss that. You're going to yeah. want to get that uh, yeah. perspective for sure. We're not done here in Miami. We're not. No, we're not. We got to. 
stick around for another 48 hours because on Saturday, Inner Miami is having their first training session, and we will be there talking to some of the very many heavy hitters on that roster. Today, we got to speak to Jordi Alba and Benjamin Kramaski, but we're going to be getting even more interviews on Saturday. You ready to see Messi? Are you telling me i got to figure out what to do myself tonight and tomorrow in Miami? And the only person you have to hang out with is me. Me and producer <laughs> All right, so we will be back uh, on Monday with that special from the first training session of 2024 for Inner Miami, checking in on Messi and friends. Barcelona 2.0 here on South Beach. For Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thanks for watching this edition of Football Americas. Have yourselves a great weekend.